When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at BellyUpMDFM Show. And, of course, subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel when you get the opportunity to do so. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, bringing to you live the primetime recaps of Week 9, the Sunday night and the Monday night game. And then... We'll be able to push on in the second half of the show. Start to look forward to week 10 as we get into the thick, the thick of your playoff races here with a waiver wire report. Make sure you check us out after the show and your favorite pod streaming app available to you pretty much everywhere. And we'll be back on later tonight from 7 to 8 p.m. on the Unhinged Radio Network at unhingedsn.airtime.pro. All right, let's dive into it right away here because we got some primetime games to talk about. Starting off with the Sunday night game, the Tennessee Titans and the Los Angeles Rams. The Titans, I got to give these guys a ton of credit. No Derrick Henry, no problem. I had a lot of doubts about what I thought this team was going to be able to do without Derrick Henry, especially offensively. And I did not think that they were going to go on the road this week and beat the Los Angeles Rams in Los Angeles. What a great feat this was. They have to give nothing but credit. And this game was really, it wasn't the tale of anything fantasy related. It was the fact that the Tennessee Titans defensive line completely and utterly dominated, especially the interior of that Rams offensive line. And that was what the difference was. 
really at the end of the day. That's what it came down to. The pressure on Matt Stafford that had five sacks on him on the day, a couple of picks, the turnovers, made him look silly a couple of times, throwing the interception out of the back of the end zone, which was just a dumb play by Matthew Stafford. Uh, nothing, nothing but credit with the Tennessee Titans. Nothing but credit. From a fantasy perspective, it's a little more interesting. We've got Ryan Tannehill here. He didn't have a great game. Only 143 yards passing. Did have a passing touchdown, but also an interception. Did tackle on that rushing touchdown, which is what gave you a little bit of a base floor from a fantasy perspective. And that that part is something that I think will increase throughout the year. Without Derrick Henry, they're going to keep that, you know, that RPO action in at the goal line. I think more times than not now, because it's not Derrick Henry he's handing the ball off to. If he has the opportunity, Ryan Tannehill will keep it himself and start to get those rushing touchdowns. That has always been a a big uh, uh, floor to his game. Get those kind of back up again in his favor. I do believe that will be the case. So you have something to kind of look forward to in that, I suppose. But still, not a huge game. Wasn't expecting a big game against a very good Rams defense, though, however. And then I'm going to talk about the running backs last. Let's get into wide receivers. A.J. Brown had a really a few bad drops. Uh, should have had a much better stat line. Only wound up with five receptions for 42 yards on 11 targets. You love the 11 targets, though. A.J. Brown definitely physically has turned a corner. I'm not worried about it. Yes, does this put an end to the hot streak that he was on? Sure. But I don't think that's something that he's going to go back to what we're seeing in the beginning of the year where he was getting these kind of stat lines every single week. It felt like I think A.J. Brown is a wide receiver one, and he's there to stay in that range as long as he can stay healthy. Not worried about it. Love the volume. Again, should have been a better stat line. Just had a few key drops throughout this game. And, you know, he had a tough match. We faced... Ramsey didn't shadow him everywhere, but he did. He was up against Ramsey more times than not throughout this game. I think the real story from the wide receiver's perspective is Julio Jones. Now, it wasn't great with a stat line or anything like that, but four receptions, 35 yards on four targets. The big thing was this was the utilization. Julio Jones was actually able to play only two less snaps than A.J. Brown and managed to get through an entire game without re-aggravating a hamstring injury. It, oof, it's a miracle. But I think what you take is that that silver lining of he played that much. Again, only two less snaps than A.J. Brown. Didn't have a setback, meaning he probably is healthy enough, as healthy he's going to be at least, from that hamstring injury moving forward. So Julio Jones, someone that I think can still be that wide receiver four, maybe low-end wide receiver three, especially now without Derrick Henry on a team that might have to throw the ball more. You're going to look for better matchups than what you just had here. They have the Saints next week, so that's not a great matchup either. But I do think Julio is going to have to be leaned on to be an extra offensive playmaker because without Henry, they need another offensive playmaker. That's who they're going to look to turn to. So you think you have to be encouraged by the snap count and the fact that he wasn't injured again, for sure. Kind of get him back in that range. But, of course, the big question on the day when trying to figure out the Tennessee Titans was the running backs. What are we going to see? AP, future Hall of Famer, he makes a return. They signed Dante Foreman as well off the practice squad. Jerry McNichols, the incumbent running back. How is this all going to break down? Well, it broke down about as I expected. The, the one surprise for me was how involved Dante Foreman was. Now, if you actually look at his, his utilization and his snap count, he was the third running back as far as snaps. 
He was the third running back in carries, but he was the most efficient running back on the day. However, Dante Foreman, we know what Dante Foreman is. We know he's largely an inefficient running back who's never been able to stay healthy. I don't think I don't think this is going to be a true three-man committee. Foreman will get sprinkled in, but most of Foreman's carries came on one drive. He opened up the second half, and that's where he got most of his work at. Other than that, it was it was more AP and Jerry McNichols when it came to the actual utilization that was significant. And you have to figure AP, you know, like kind of, kind of like Foreman, but fresh off the streets, first week with the team, and he sees the most carries right off the bat with 10, 19 snaps compared to Jerry McNichols' 26. I think that'll soon flip. I think you'll see AP playing more snaps than Jerry McNichols sooner rather than later. I do think this is a two-man committee with Dante Foreman maybe getting mixed in for a breather here and there. But I don't think it's the plan to go with a full three-headed monster here from here on out. As expected, McNichols was the main pass-catching back. Three catches, 11 yards, three targets, ran the most routes. Although that was funny that AP actually did come away with a reception in this game five off five yards. And he actually had seven routes run. So he had five less routes run than uh, Jerry McNichols did. Five, way more than Dante Foreman, though. Seven to three as far as that goes between him and Dante Foreman. Again, Foreman being the third back in, in this one. I think AP will up his usage as we move forward. It's, it's a tough matchup here against the Rams. And he only he had the 10 carries. He only went for 21 yards. wasn't efficient. He does get the rushing touchdown after Jerry McNichols failed to get in. I don't know why they're even trying to get Jeremy Nichols a goal line touchdown. Anyway, when you have Adrian Peterson, who's always been one of the best in his career and is built like a tank. And that was more important to me in this game. No, he wasn't efficient. Didn't expect him to be in this matchup in the first game off the street. I was more interested to see AP, the guy that everyone says is in crazy shape already day one. I want to say like, really? Is he? And yeah, he was. That first game, that first play. Did a spin move to avoid Aaron Donald on the carry. Look, physically, he looked good. He was running a little bit high. I think he's got to get he's got to get some rust off. He's got to get back to getting low again and doing some things there. But physically, he looked good to me, and that's why I think his his usage is going to increase, not decrease. And I don't think Foreman's getting in the mix here. So I think you have to be if you picked up AP, I think you'd be encouraged what you saw. And even if you picked up Jerry McNichols, I think you're fine with what you saw. He has seven carries in this game. He's going to get involved a little bit more than he was before in the rushing aspect, but he's still the main pass catching back, which is really what he wanted his value to be based off of anyway. So if you picked up both these guys, I think you're fine with it. I'm not worried about Foreman. I'm really not. We know what he is. We know what he's done. I think they're going to lean on AP more than anything else, especially as it gets colder with the way he looks. Now the Rams side of things, this was disappointing on every level. I mean, Matthew Stafford, 31 of 48, 294 yards. He had a touchdown, two interceptions, just did not have a good game in this one. I guess he didn't kill you from a fantasy perspective, but wasn't very good. And then Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, they had good games. For Robert Woods, you you feel pretty good about it because a good game right now pretty much is his ceiling. But Cooper Cup against the Tennessee Titans, you're expecting, you know, he's been laying up against everybody. You're expecting to continue that trend here against this team, but 11 receptions, 95 yards. If that's a floor, that's a tremendous floor, which says you can't really complain too much. It's an amazing floor to have. It's just a little disappointing on Sunday night against the Tennessee Titan team. 
if you were sitting there, which was a brutal fantasy football week nine, and you're hoping Cooper Cup, you know, just does his Cooper Cup thing to still win you the game because all the scores were so low to begin with. And he comes out, he doesn't get over 100 yards. He doesn't get you a touchdown or two. And it becomes a little bit disappointing in, in this spot against the Tennessee Titans. And a game in which staff had to throw the ball 48 times because this didn't go the game script expectancy. This The Rams had to come back from behind. So I think all those things kind of stack up to being a little bit disappointed. I can understand. But ultimately, again, if that's going to be his floor, I don't really think you can complain too much about a Cooper Cup there. Robert Woods, seven receptions, 98 yards on 10 targets. And then you had Tyler Higby. Tyler Higby, he didn't, didn't have the touchdown, wound up being ruled out of bounds on the catch, but five catches, 51 yards, 10 targets. And this is the thing about Higby. While the production, the result hasn't necessarily been what we want it to be, the usage is there. He's getting targeted like crazy. He's running a lot of routes. He's out there on the field all the time. Higby's going to continue to be somewhere in my top 12 territory of tight ends because of the usage. Just this process over result right now. And when you're looking for tight ends, not many of them are getting more usage than a Tyler Higby is. And then to bring up the rear here, we got Van Jefferson, seven targets, three receptions, 41 yards. There was a bomb play that he could have had. Stafford just missed him a little bit. He could have had a nicer stat line in and of himself. He continues to be someone who's a little bit interesting to me. We're going to talk about in the second half of the show again. Because his usage, his snap count is still right up there with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. And now with Deshaun Jackson completely out of the way, you're not worried about him coming off the field as a third receiver in any circumstances or anything like that. So he is somebody who does have, I believe, some value. He says a spot start here and there as a flex, depending upon the matchup, knowing that his usage is in place for him to succeed as well. The only other thing of note here, Darrell Henderson got a little bit banged up in this game. Looked like he rolled up an ankle, was a little bit limited in the second half, was kind of in and out of the lineup. We saw Sonny Michelle be more involved than he normally would be in this game. Wasn't efficient. Seven carries of 20, but he did get the receiving touchdown. Two receptions, six yards, the touchdown there. While Darrell Henderson only had, you know, he had three yards on three receptions, four targets, 11 carries, 55 yards. Not the performance you're looking for out of a Darrell Henderson, but keep in mind, it had more to do with the injury than anything else. As it stands right now, we're expecting Darrell Henderson to be okay to play next week. But we, of course, will keep you up to date on social media at Show with the practice reports throughout the week to kind of make sure that's, in fact, going to be the case. But as you would imagine, Sony Michelle, somebody we're going to talk about in the second half of the show as well as a result to that. All right, that pretty much does it what we ever do got to talk about in that game. I want to get a word in from our sponsor. When we come back on the other side, we got the Monday night game to recap, and then we'll have the waiver wire report for you guys right after that. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. MD Nation, we want to welcome in a new sponsor of the show called Props Fantasy from PropsFantasy.com. Props Fantasy is a website and app which allows users to import their season-long fantasy teams to challenge other season-long fantasy teams. Their crucial difference is that you can challenge other teams that you are not playing in your league that week or aren't even in your league or not even on the same platform. The idea behind Props Fantasy is to let casual season-long fantasy players use the teams they already have to engage in daily fantasy-type contests for winnings. Users can wager anything from $1 up to $1,000 on a head-to-head challenge. 
props fantasy even harmonizes the scoring. If you're in a PPR league and your opponent is not, props fantasy will default to a half point PPR or you can manually adjust it. They also handle things like standard lineup versus super flex. Their developers are fantasy football diehards and have thought of everything, including IDP. So if you think your season-long team is not just the best in your league, but the best in all leagues, this is your chance to find out and win money when you sign up for the Props Fantasy app today at PropsFantasy.com. So join in on the fun. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And welcome back, MD Nation. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Join us on the YouTube channel whenever you get a chance. Subscribe there. We're bringing you the primetime recap games. We just talked about the Sunday night game, and now we got the Monday night game to talk about. And this game wound up being a hell of a lot more entertaining than we were anticipating to be, at least the very end of the game anyway. For the majority of this game, it looked like the Steelers were going to kind of sleepwalk their way to a win, which is kind of what I expected the entire game to go like anyway. And all of a sudden, the fourth quarter, Justin Fields and the Bears offense turned it on, dropped 21 points in the fourth quarter to make this a game all the way at the end, had a chance, but as Justin Fields found out, left too much time on the clock for Ben Roethlisberger to come back in the clutch. And the Steelers are able to win this game on a game-winning field goal, 29-27. to Wow. Now, there wasn't a lot of fireworks as far as fantasy purposes go, but, I mean, game again, I'll take it being more entertaining than I thought it was going to be heading into this matchup. Ben Roethlisberger, 21 of 30, 205 yards, two passing touchdowns. Both of those passing touchdowns going to Pat Freermuth, who had five receptions, 43 yards on six targets, along with those two touchdowns. Look, he is a he's become a red zone favorite target of Big Ben as of late, and that's with or without Eric Ebron on the field. And even when Ebron comes back at this point, I don't see why he would be back to getting his normal usage. Pat Freerman has come on. He's having a strong rookie season. I don't see why that would not continue. Ben's always loved his tight ends, especially in the red zone. He definitely has a real rapport with Pat Freermuth here. So I expect that to continue. And Freermuth will be another guy who now I think will be consistently hovering around my top 12 spots, being a top-end streamer almost any given week now. And somebody has to be considered in that spot and maybe permanently picking him up and having him be at tight end. Like I said, even regardless of Eric Ebron, I expect his red zone opportunities to really continue. Now, this wasn't a big gaudy scoring stat line of a game. So when you look at Deontay Johnson, who had five receptions for 56 yards on six targets, kind of like, eh. But you know better days are ahead. It's very rare when Deontay Johnson doesn't get double-digit targets. So I'm not too worried about that. He's still going to be the volume monster you want him to be. Chase Claypool picked up a little bit of an injury here at the very end of the game. Not sure exactly what happened. Not sure. We still got to wait and see the official reports on you know how healthy is he. He only had three receptions for 30 yards on five targets in this game too. I still believe he's more of a wide receiver three volume base type of guy without Juju Smith-Schuster out there or some consolidation around this offense. But Deontay Johnson's the guy who's always going to get the double-digit targets. And Ben still just not really taking deep shots. Hit one to James Washington in this game. That was really about it as far as the deep shots go. 
Najee Harris, on the other hand, look, wasn't efficient, wasn't a great game, but the volume always maintains that this man will perform for you on a fantasy standpoint. 22 carries, only 62 yards, but he does get the rushing touchdown. Got the rushing touchdown pretty much right off the bat in this game. He's actually a little underutilized in the passing game, but so is everybody else. As you saw the target share, even Deontay Johnson only had six. Well, Najee Harris had three targets, three receptions for 16 yards. They got a nice matchup next week coming up against the Detroit Lions where Najee Harris is a pretty good chance to wind up as my number one running back on the week. So I think you got a nice little spot there coming up for you guys next week. Don't you worry about that. Nothing bad is going to happen with Najee. We flip things on the side. We go to Chicago Bears. And all of a sudden, Justin Fields now starting to come alive a little bit from a fantasy production standpoint. 291 yards passing, passing touchdown in this game. Did have the one pick, tacked on 45 yards rushing. But these are more the stat lines between last week and this week that we were expecting to see when Justin Fields took over. Have a nice base floor with the rushing, or like last week, go over 100 yards rushing. And then be able to do enough in the passing game with Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson to be looked at as being pretty competent. And that's what he did. This was a tough spot against a good Pittsburgh Steelers defense, especially a good pass rush, which is something he had been mightily struggling with up until this point. So you like to see that he is progressing in the right direction, at least the last two games he has been, and may start to enter the, we can start to trust him in the streaming quarterback territory conversation. Not quite there yet, but it's heading in that direction so if you're looking for a quarterback to stash play later on the, uh, in the year as we get closer to the playoffs might want to look that way uh david montgomery makes his return in this game 13 carries 63 yards tax on in the receiving game uh two two catches for 17 yards on two targets while he wasn't fully unleashed david montgomery as far as the snap count goes he still had 13 carries to Khalil Herbert's four, who wasn't involved in the passing game at all. So what this tells you is that they're going to go into their bye week this week. When they come back out on the other side, I expect David Montgomery to assume his full role as the workhorse lead back. So if you're worried about that at all because of the, the play of Khalil Herbert at, at the, you know, recently, I don't think you have to worry about that moving forward. David Montgomery will be the workhorse back as long as he is healthy. Herbert now drops down. He's nothing more than a handcuff. If you don't have David Montgomery, with them being on by, you have to make a move. Herbert is a drop in that instance. But if you have David Montgomery, you know, hold on to him because now you've seen how valuable he can be, how good he can be if he fits into that Montgomery role. If Montgomery were to go down with another injury or whatnot. But because they have this bye week coming up and you're not the Montgomery owner, there's no real reason to hold on to him if you need to make a roster move this week. So that's kind of how I'm looking at it in that sense. But David Montgomery looks like he's here to stay. Didn't suffer any setbacks. That's the good news. Wasn't a big day fantasy-wise. You don't expect him to have a big day fantasy-wise against the Steelers. I don't know how many people would have really activated David Montgomery in this game, not knowing for sure he was going to be and being that was Monday night. I think what you do is you take some confidence that he was the guy, he was the workhorse, they're going into the bye week, when they come out on the other side, you're going to be very happy to have David Montgomery as a high-end RB2, hopefully rest of the year, barring he doesn't get injured again. For Cole Komet, this is a nice little spot game for Cole Komet here. He has six receptions, 87 yards on eight targets. Somebody whose usage had been in the right direction for really quite some time. The problem is there haven't been any results. Justin Fields have been so bad 
that you really can't trust any of the pass catchers of the Chicago Bears. And I wouldn't go as far as to say as you can now either, but you do have some more hope that things are starting to get a little bit better and maybe you could take a look at it again. Uh, Allen Robinson, oddly enough, had his best game of the year. Six targets, four receptions, 68 yards. Really sad that's his best game of the year. And it was a mediocre stat line at best. I Allen Robinson belongs on your waiver wires, okay? Unless things drastically get better, no, I'm done. Because Darnell Mooney's the guy. He is. He's the guy on this team. He had six targets, three receptions, 41 yards. He gets the touchdown. He also had a touchdown on the ground. So he was actually, if you had to play Darnell Mooney because you're out of options, you... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner really lucked out you really did but he has still been the guy who has had justin field's eye more times than not he still has the better rapport with fields he still has the deeper play routes the bigger play routes available to him than alan robinson does so if any bears receiver i'm interested in it is darnell mooney but even then you're still talking about a boom or bust wide receiver for nothing really changes as far as that goes but we're going to keep our eyes on to see if Justin Fields can continue progressing coming out of the bye. And maybe this whole this Chicago offense can start right the ship and we can start talking about them in a better, more positive fantasy light, or at least I hope so. All right, that's going to do it for the Monday Night Recap. Want to get another word in from our sponsor. When we come back on the other side, we're going to put Week 9 to bed. We're going to look ahead to Week 10. We're going to go over our waiver wire report and get you guys ready for your playoff races, which start, I mean, they're we're here. We're in the thick of it. There's five games in the regular season left for your fantasy football leagues. It's 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 go time, baby. And every you're pretty much starting your playoffs now in your playoff race because every single week, counts so let's take a quick break come back on the other side and start to help you guys get better for your playoff race your client's going away for 10 years unless unless we swap first round picks it's football season baby and you know what that means it means we're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show manscape blitzing through hairs has never been easier and it's time for you to join the two million men worldwide who trust manscape by using promo code Belly up fantasy at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. It's three and out the window with all the other hair trimmers. Now go tame that wildcat offense. As the world is starting to open, the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is here to help you get ready. Inside, you'll find their brand new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, plus two free gifts, Performance Boxer Briefs, and the Shed Travel Bag. The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is the perfect package for your package and a key for great grooming and hygiene routine to make sure the boys downstairs are smooth like Tom Brady in the fourth quarter. Get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back into the program, MD Nation. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show streaming to you live on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. And of course, 
on the YouTube channel. Subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Show when you get the chance. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Just recap the last two primetime games, and now I'm excited to look forward to Week 10. Playoff races are on. They are here. Let's get better together. Here is the waiver wire report. Now, if you're new to the show, always keep in mind what we do is take the, the average ownership amongst the major platforms, ESPN, Yahoo, NFL, all that, put it together, come out with the average player who's owned less than 50% to try to give you the guys that are going to be widely available to you for your waivers. We break it down by roster spot, by by position, and then by, of course, ownership percentages. So first, I'll be the quarterback. I only have one quarterback I'm interested in this week, and that's Taysom Hill. I truly believe after the Saints lost to the Atlanta Falcons and that Taysom Hill certainly is healthy because they had no concerns running him and using him in his normal uh, game script role that he would normally have if Jamison Winston was the starting quarterback. I do believe Taysom Hill will step in and be the starting quarterback for the Saints and just commit to that style of game with the defense that they have and the rushing threat that they are with Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. That is a recipe that can win you ball games. And again, we know what Trevor Simeon is. He's a backup quarterback. That's it. I think Sean Payton was hoping that maybe because maybe he's a better pocket passer, he'd be able to continue running the, the type of offense that he had with Jameis Winston. But again, because you lose that game to the Atlanta Falcons at home, I do think that costs any chance for Simeon to be the starting quarterback moving forward. And Taysom Hill, if he is a starting guy, he's a top 10 quarterback every single week because of the rushing stats that he gives you. So Taysom Hill at 8% owned on average. If you've been streaming quarterback, he's still a gift. I truly believe he will get the opportunity starting this week and on. Uh, Resource-wise, I think because we don't know for sure yet that he's definitively going to be the starter, I don't think you have to go crazy on him. Uh, maybe five, ten percent of your fad budget. I wouldn't use, you know, if I'm in the top half of my league, I, I wouldn't use the priority to try to go get him. I think you can get him afterwards because you figure if you're in 12 man leagues, there's a lot of teams that maybe they don't need necessarily need a quarterback right now or don't want to take a chance on Taysom Hill being that guy. So I think you should be able to get him for probably a decent price tag, quite frankly. So that's that's my only quarterback I have for the week. So we can dive into the running backs here. And first up, I got Alex Collins. So Pete Carroll, I know, came out and said that, oh, Chris Carson's going to try to come out. He's going to try to practice this week. Yeah, I, we've heard that from Pete Carroll over and over and over again. Until somebody can explain to me with the neck injury that Chris Carson has, how in the hell he's ever expected to be able to really play and be able to take on hits in the NFL, I'm not going to buy that he's going to be out there. And we do know... You know, Alex Collins isn't great. He's still a heck of a lot better than Rashad Penny. So Alex Collins dropped down most, I guess, partly because of the buy, partly not knowing if Chris Carson was going to be back or not. He dropped down to 38% owned on average. Chris Carson, I'm sorry, Alex Collins is definitely somebody you go ahead, pick up. You pick up any starting running back in the league, especially one that gets 15 or more carries. You go ahead, you grab him. Spend about 10% of your fab budget, maybe up to 15, depending on how desperate you are for a running back spot start play this week. You can use a priority. Would I use the number one priority on him? No, probably not. But I would, I, if I'm in the top half, I would still probably think about it, especially if I need a running back this week. But there are some other ones that are kind of interesting, like Naeem Hines. 
So Naeem Hines, we finally kind of have a trend to go off of here, right? We've kind of been able to figure out if Marlon Mack is a healthy scratch, then Naeem Hines, the role that he has becomes much more significant within that offense, and he has sustainable RB3 flex value, especially we talk about full point, half point PPR leagues. Jonathan Taylor has been getting involved in the passing game. He's been very, very good, of course, but there's still a role there for Naeem Hines. Now, it disappears when Marlon Mack is active, but if he's inactive, then Naeem Hines has a real role going forward, and I think he's kind of worth uh, a spot. You know, if you're in a desperate running back spot here, look for a spot starts, 43% owned. He's somebody you can kind of turn to who I wouldn't use any resources on. Unless I was a John, if I was a Jonathan Taylor owner, I would want Naeem Hines. But uh, I would not waste fab dollars or priority if I'm not. This is just a spot start guy that if you can clear and get him for free, something to kind of keep your eye on because you do have a definitive way to know when and when to not play him in your lineups if you're looking for a spot starter. Next up, I got Alexander Madison. He's dude. He's just my. He's my perennial, perennial, uh, pickup. He is. He's always out there. Thirty six percent owned on average, and I just I never understand it because we know the history of Dalvin Cook. I know everybody. Every every league has a Dalvin Cook owner. I don't get why if you're the cook owner, you are not prioritizing, making sure, especially in that running game, in that system, and what Madison's been able to do this year in spelling cook in two different games. I don't know how you don't make it a priority to make sure Madison is on your bench. And because this is now the second week in a row that I'm preaching this, I don't think you have to use too many resources to go out there and get them. If you're in a good spot, you're you know you're sitting there in first place, or you're at least up there in maybe second, third. You're feeling pretty good about your chances to make the playoffs. You want to try to you know take some golden tickets here, take some lotto tickets here, heading into your playoff races, heading into the playoffs themselves, and you could pick up an Alexander Madison as a nice little handcuff lotto pick. Then go ahead and do so, but don't cost yourself games in doing so. Don't pick up Alexander Madison if you need a flex or a running back spot start in order to have a chance to win your matchup in the hopes that you hit the jackpot come playoff season. No, 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 no. Don't do that. We're in the thick of it right now. Remember, we got five games left. You got that extra regular season game. Don't get too cute too early. Usually two to three weeks out from the playoffs, that's when I'll be on this show starting to talk about, okay, let's start. For those of you who are looking like you're going to lock up a playoff spot, Let's start gearing you guys up to really have a good playoff roster and maybe not worry as much about wins and losses over the next two to three weeks, depending upon your situation. Okay, we'll start to do that a little bit on this show, but we're not quite at that point yet. That's still too far away to start doing that kind of thing. So only if you can. Carlos Hyde. We don't know if James Robinson's going to play this week. He didn't practice last week at all. He's still dealing with the heel issue. He had to be inactive. I'd say he's still a 50-50 questionable at best heading into week 10. And no, Carlos Hyde wasn't overly productive. But I cannot believe a guy who is going into the week as a starting running back who you knew was going to get all the volume. I don't care if it was against the Buffalo Bills. For him to still only be 29% owned on average, I think is an absolute joke for this guy. That should not be the case. Carlos Hyde, going even this week, it's another tough, tough matchup for running backs, but if he's going to be a starting running back, he's going to get all the volume, and I guarantee you the Jaguars will have to throw more than they did against the Buffalo Bills. That's not going to happen twice in a row. 
Give me Carlos Hyde with a very safe floor due to volume as an RB2 this week. Again, 29%. Oh, now, I'm not going to go crazy on him on Fab. I probably wouldn't go more than 10%. The reason is this. We don't know yet that James Robinson is going to miss. So I'm not going to spend a ton of resources on a guy, even if I desperately need a spot start at a running back this week. For somebody that I'm not 100% sure is definitely going to be the starter as of right now. It's one of the tough things about you know your waivers, for the most part, being cleared on Tuesday nights. Especially you know you have a situation that's probably not going to work itself out at least until Friday, if not later on in the week itself. But Carlos Hyde should definitely be on your radars as a possible RB2 play this week. And then Sony Michelle, 26% owned. They're all Henderson. Now, the expectation is that Henderson is going to play and he's going to be okay with the ankle issue. But this is the thing with Henderson. He has these issues. They pop up these injuries for him. They, they've derailed him from being able to play full seasons in the past. Sony Michelle would become the workhorse back if Darrell Henderson were to miss time. So just like Alexander Madison, if you own Darrell Henderson, Sony Michelle needs to be a priority to you. And, or if you're somebody in a situation that you could take a lot of ticket on a handcuff running back, he's only 26% owned on average. So Sony Michelle needs to be on your radars this week. The next guy I have is very specific as to when I would start him. It's Ty Johnson at 20%. I'm only interested in him from a full point PPR standpoint, and I'm only interested in him for this week because the Jets have already come out. And it seems like to me, Mike White's going to start one more game while Zach Wilson practices this week and gets his way back, which is smart. Look, for all the, the the memes out there, the hype and everything like that, Zach Wilson's the future of this franchise. They have to be smart with him. They have to not rush him back. But that doesn't mean Mike White, in the meantime, can't do what he does best, which is check the ball down. I mean, the amount of targets Michael Carter and Ty Johnson both have seen to this point is insane. So from a full-point PPR standpoint, I got his 20% owned on average in a situation where he might get peppered with targets even as a second running back. Ty Johnson actually has some interest to me, and you should be able to go ahead and get him for free. Next guy is Mark Ingram. Now, I'm not telling you Mark Ingram, pick him up from a standpoint of, oh, I think you can play him as an RB3 as a flex play. That That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying pick up Mark Ingram because I think he can be somebody that is a lotto ticket handcuff. And if you have Alvin Kamara, like the other handcuffs we talk about, if you have Alvin Kamara, you need to pick up Mark Ingram. But this is in the Houston Texans. If Mark Ingram gets the majority of the work with the Saints, I think he will be much more productive than what he was. So he should be owned for that reason. And then Jordan Howard. It, look, he might be the starting running back or at least the running back who gets the most carries on the team. Now, can they stick with that in a tough match against Denver coming up? That remains to be seen. Do I really believe Nick Sherini will? I don't know. I don't really give him a lot of credit up until this point. So I'd say probably not. But at 8% owned, a guy who has now three touchdowns in two games and 17 carries his past game. Yeah, he needs to be picked up and owned. He's a running back getting plus 15 touches, and it looks like they're giving him a significant role. First and second downs, goal line work here. Uh, Jordan Howard is going to be a thing. He's a nice little spot start to be able to have on your teams. I would, I do think you're going to have to spend some fad budget on him, especially after this cup coming week. I wouldn't spend anything more than 15, uh, I, I'm sorry, 10%. 10% is my high as I always go. Miles Sanders is going to come back at some point. And when that happens, you know, this is all goes away. Jordan Howard could get re-demoted back down to the practice squad for all we know. So 
This is not going to be the rest of the season thing. It's more for a spot start this week, maybe next week, depending upon when Sanders is actually going to be able to come back. But somebody who definitely should be on your radars and is widely available out there to you guys. And to wrap up my running backs, Devonta Freeman. I wasn't excited to own him either. He actually looked pretty good this past week. They do have the Thursday night matchup here, so we don't expect Latavius Murray to play. So Devonta Freeman would become the lead back of the Ravens. I know Le'Veon Bell got worked into a pretty significant degree, but for the most part, whoever the lead back is usually has the touchdown upside. Give me Devonta Freeman as an RB3 for you this week in a spot start play, and he's only 13.8% owned. And you're not going to be that excited about him. No one's really that excited to own Devonta Freeman. So I think you kind of get away maybe 5% of your budget, maybe 7 just to make sure 8 No one's going to go 10% for him. And waiver wire-wise, if I have the back end and I know I'm not going to move up, maybe I use that. But I think you, he can clear waivers and you can go ahead and pick him up for free the next day. Moving things to the wide receivers, Michael Gallup, shocked. Shocked Michael Gallup, 49% owned, just under that 50% mark. I was totally, totally surprised by that. He's going to play this week. He's going to practice in full on Wednesday. I think they kept him out one more week just to be extra cautious. But Mike McCarthy came out right away on Monday morning. was like, Michael Gallup's going to play this upcoming week against the Atlanta Falcons. They'll be excited to get him back. He is going to be the third option on the team. He is a boom or bust wide receiver four type of player. But I do think he'll... He might not work into a full, full workload his first week back but because they played a cautious with him and all indications are he's pretty healthy now. I don't think he's going to be on a severe limited snap count. So I do think against the Atlanta Falcons, he's somebody you can consider playing and you want him as part of this offense that will be better than what we saw on Sunday. If he's available to you, I'm still not going to go crazy because of his role in the offense there. They've been running the ball a little bit more. He's still the third receiver, so I'm not going to go nuts for him. But if I need a spot start, maybe this week, maybe next week, I think he's somebody who can be a little bit of a value to me for the rest of the year. I might consider going somewhere between 12 and 15%. But Brandon Ayuk, that's why I don't want to go crazy on Michael Gallup. Brandon Ayuk has more upside. You have Debo Samuel dealing with the calf injury. Ayuk is now trending finally in the right direction. Last week, he had you know, the snap counts indicating he was finally getting back to being a true starting wide receiver. And then this, this past week, he actually had the production to go with it. So now looking at Brandon Ayuk as a guy that you could potentially actually play if need be, I would go as high as say 16 to 18% of my fab. If I have a waiver wire spot and I need a wide receiver and I'm in the bottom half of my league, I'll pull the trigger. I never pull the trigger on the top, in the top half on a wide receiver. You save those for running backs. But definitely Ayuk, is definitely somebody who should be over 50% owned now. He's come full circle. He's come back around. I think you can start to trust him a little bit. Van Jefferson kind of falls in that category. I've been talking about him the last couple of weeks with his usage. He's been running about the same amount of routes. He's out there for the same amount of snaps because the the Rams just run so much three-receiver sets. Uh, He's a, a bit hit or miss because he definitely has to come in third as far as target share goes between Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. But he's been having that bigger play role. He can be a boomer bust wide receiver for. He'd like the volume of how much he's out there, at least on the field, for that opportunity. So Van Jefferson is somebody who's on my list, too, at 43% owned. Jameson Crowder, to a lesser degree, again, only full point PPR wide receiver three. He's 33% owned on average. With Mike White back out there, I still expect check downs. Even if Corey Davis comes back, which there is a chance that he does, 
But I still suspect that Jamison Crowder will have, be in a position to get a decent amount of targets. There's, just, there's not a big ceiling there. That's the one thing you have to keep in mind. There's just not a really big ceiling there. Let's give it Rashad Bateman, though. He does have a ceiling. I am excited about him the rest of the season. 25% owned on average, widely available out there. A lot of people still worried about what his role really is when Sammy Watkins comes back, which is why I think you can get him really, really cheap, maybe even for free, may even be able to let him clear the waivers and then grab him because people are still hesitant about the Sammy Watkins issue. I don't think... Sammy Watkins is going to come in and rotate in with Bateman on an even basis or anything like that. I think this Bateman's job, Watkins will be out there when they have three receiver sets and now pretty much be the end of it for me. So I like Bateman. I like the upside because the Ravens are throwing the ball more. He actually has more of a ceiling than I ever would have expected. And then we get our normal, you know, Cardinal wide receivers, AJ Green, Rondell Moore. Obviously, in AJ Green's case, we have to wait and see does he pass the COVID protocols. Rondale Moore, I was real disappointed with the way they utilized him last week, but he did have the second most snaps, second most routes run as far as the wide receivers are concerned. If Hopkins and Green were to miss again, Rondale Moore would have to be considered a low-end wide receiver 3 to me. So 31% owned, he's out there. Jamal Agnew, 5% owned. Again, this is only full-point PPR, but he's playing that slot receiver role. Most of the time, Trevor Lawrence has to throw the ball about 40-plus times in a game. I like Jamal Agnew as a nice spot start in a full-point PPR as if you need a flex or a third receiver or something along that nature. Widely available. And then Peoples-Jones, I put him on there. I still don't love his consistent usage, but if there's going to be one big play wide receiver, it is going to be Donovan Peoples-Jones. So I do think you can kind of go in that direction with him. And then we get to the tight end part. And I got Tyler Conklin at 47% owned. Talked about him in yesterday's show a little bit. He's getting between that six and seven target mark on a pretty consistent basis. That's really big for tight ends to be able to put up some top 12 numbers here and there. So I like what we're seeing out of that. KG Osborne getting a little bit less involved as Tyler Conklin increases his involvement in the passing game. Logan Thomas. Did you know Logan Thomas was only 47% owned on average right now? Go pick him up. Check to see if he got dumped. People forgot to pick him up. Grab him, whatever the case may be. When he comes back, he's the second best pass catcher. I expect him to be back this week with Washington coming off the bye. So Logan Thomas is somebody that I would spend, especially if I need a tight end. I spend 20% maybe of my fab budget because he can be a guy who can compete in those top eight, top six tight end territory because of his involvement in the offense. And getting tight ends like that off the waiver wire doesn't happen very often. So you need, if you have a tight end, yeah, that's a situation you need to be in. But if you do, I would actually consider spending considerable resources for grabbing him. And then last but not least is Dan Arnold for me at the tight end position, 17% owned. Again, he had the, he had a double digit targets last week. He is or seven targets last week. He is consistently involved as one of the main premier pass catchers in a volume based offense. I do think Dan Arnold is in that streaming territory on a week in week out basis. So yeah, Dan Arnold seventy percent on another streaming option for you to tight end. Oh, and make sure you check your waiver wires for Pat Freemuth too. Doesn't quite make my list here because of his ownership has skyrocketed up the past couple of weeks. But if he's available to you, he's kind of on that borderline of 50% on on average. Make sure you pick up Pat Freermuth, also another top-end streaming tight end who's getting a nice rapport with Ben Roethlisberger in the red zone. That's actually going to do it for today's show, guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. 
We're going to get back. We're going to keep getting you better. Make sure you come back tomorrow night. Well, first of all, come back tonight from 7 to 8 p.m. on the Unhinged Radio Network at unhingedsn.airtime.pro. But then make sure you come back Wednesday night. It's going to be around 8.30. It's going to be a little bit earlier this week. But it's going to be the Thursday night preview and the early slate game previews of Week 10, getting into those playoff races. Chris Dowhower will join me on the show again. So everybody, make sure you tune into that on social media at BillyUpMVFFShow or subscribe on the YouTube channel. Check us out after the episode today on your favorite pod streaming app. Always available to you guys there. And follow us along on social media for those player news update notifications. I'm your host, Dan Maynard. I'm going to see you guys again tomorrow. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com.